up, Eric? What's up, Tyler? How are you, man? There's so much to talk about. Last time we had you on. Man, well, if I wanted nuts in my mouth, I'd go on the porn. Very, it's dark, it's sarcastic, it's... Have you ever stuck a light bulb in a potato with the toothpicks and the water? It doesn't work. How are these kids doing this? I knew you'd get mad. It's called blank or porn title. Don't don't try this at home is, is, is what we're saying. One, two, one. Right, Eric? One, two, one. I hope so, yeah. 121 sounds about right. Yeah. What's um, up? Dude, how are you liking that, that theme song? How do you like that? I love it. I think it works great. She did a bang I, I hope, job. Yeah, Ashley's, Ashley never disappoints. And speaking of never disappointing, Tyler, 2023. Oh, my God. I'm so happy to have this guy in here. We teased him. Uh, we teased about him a little bit. We got our friend from New York, Mr. John himself. John, how are you today, man? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. What's up? We're, we're so happy to have us. you on. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, man. This is this is so cool. I've been looking forward to having you on since we met, um, I, and I can't believe you agreed to be on here with us. <laughs> Why wouldn't I agree? <laughs> Obviously, you haven't heard the show. Yep, never heard the show before. I'll be honest with you about that. So uh, I guess we'll find out what I got myself into. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is the segment usually where we start undressing. John, um, if you want to you know, take your shirt off and just talk us through what you're saying. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, ASMR too. Have your shirt hit the mic. Yeah, please. Um, so John, John is a tour guide that I met, uh, from free tours by foot while we we're in, uh, New York. And this guy just, it started off with his voice. Like he started talking and I was like, man, what a fucking voice. Like, this is crazy. Uh, John, have, have you done voiceover work? I mean, your voice is, is perfect, man. I've done a small amount of voiceover work. I'm glad you think it's perfect, man. Like, uh, I wish a few more people felt that way. I just, uh, I studied a lot of neutral American speech and I worked very, very hard as a tour guide, uh, to make sure that everybody can understand me. Like early on, I would get the compliments from, uh, all of the foreigners that like English is not, this is my impression of a generic foreigner. English is not my first language, but you, I understand everything you say and that's that's what every foreign person sounds like whether they're from russia or japan that's that's all of them right there i think um, we're imitating eric god <laughs> damn you tyler Let's put on, <laughs> pause real quick i want to put on headphones all righty <laughs> hey, yeah. oh hey, all right i got headphones on now much better so uh yeah, so basically, like, I just, uh, you know, being understood is a really, really important thing to me. And uh, especially with the tours, you know, I'll uh, make sure that I'm loud, that I'm clear. And it's also not just uh, my voice. I've worked very hard to work in how I repeat myself and just, like, making sure, paying attention to people's faces, did they get that? Like, what I'm saying, what we're doing, like, has it made sense to them? It's not enough to say it. you got to say it clearly. So it's it's word choices as well. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you have to know your audience, and otherwise you're getting a lot of blank stares looking back at you, right? That's right. That's right. And you learn that early as a tour guide. Like, I don't know, a lot of people, like, you know, these are all stories that I've told before, and if I'm really doing a great job, I will let the nature of New York City that day kind of uh, infect me or take over and uh, bring about something natural and unique to that tour. 
um, in terms of how I present it. But at the end of the day, you are hearing a story that I've told, you know, at least, you know, a couple hundred times before. And so a lot of times, you know, that you run the risk of sounding robotic and you certainly will sound robotic at least at at least one moment during a tour. Um, and so a lot of people think that, you know, they're listening to like a friggin' animatronic, you know, some sort of <laughs> and they, they don't, they don't realize I see every facial expression that they're making and I'm taking in all of that. <laughs> oh, so you're judging on your side too then. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, especially like sometimes I get private tours and when you get a private tour, sometimes it's, and yes, I, ju I judge all people. I'm a very judgmental person. I think it's the right way to be. I always do this. I have no apology. <laughs> so I like, for instance, on a private tour, um, sometimes like a company will decide, Oh, this is a team building exercise. We'll book a tour for all of our, uh, employees, uh, or sometimes a school tour. And these are interesting because unlike the public tours where generally more than 99.99% of the time, everybody wants to be there with private tours. You sometimes have like, okay, I can tell like, like these kids really just want to be in the hotel room looking at their iPhones. They just yeah. want to listen to music. I'm kind of like a burden to them and maybe I can break through that. But you can see like sometimes like you'll have like an obnoxious person making these obnoxious facial expressions at you. Um, and I'm like, is this person like making these faces under the impression that like I don't see that? And like one time, one time on like a private tour, I just uh, I just called a lady out. I was like, you know, if I were doing stand up comedy right now, I I, I wish uh, I, I wish every person in the audience was you because you're just laughing at everything that I say. Look, you, you know, you don't need to be here right now. Um, so, like, you know, if this isn't your thing, like, you know, I, there's tons of shops in Soho. Why don't you just meet the group at, uh, you know, Broom and wherever the heck the other street is, Broom and Center, uh, in 90 minutes? And she was, like, kind of taken aback, but then she just stopped making those faces at me. And that was, uh, that was the better way to handle it. If I was terrible at my job, I'd be like, hey, is she the one that everybody hates in the office? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I you want to say. I, dude, I guarantee you'd get so many laughs from your group with that one. <laughs> that would just, be great. It's got to be the truth. It's in the case of yeah. this lady. It's got to be the truth. So <laughs> I, I have to ask because you know, again, going back to your voice, and I apologize for putting such a spotlight on it, but I mean, this is your bread and butter, right? So, um, are you originally from New York? No, I'm from New Jersey. Okay, all right, and and uh, is that okay to say? Well, you're in New York. Yeah, why not? Okay, just making sure. I know there's like that weird uh, um, kind of kind of rivalry between those two, right? Yeah. Okay, so they don't give you like grief when you're like, I'm a I'm a Jersey guy, right? No, they tell me that they don't like me, and I tell them I don't like them either. It's a it's a very respectful, mutual thing. I like that. I like that. And you manage to coexist despite the fact. Because I was gonna say, do you ever kick up like a New York accent while you're doing a tour or any kind of? You know, uh, words that that would be like coffee or walk or something like that. Is there is there ever anything um, like that that you slip in? Coffee, like I say, coffee. Um, I I just say coffee. I think when I talk faster, I I might say coffee. Um, and I uh, with New Jersey, it becomes uh, coming and going instead of coming and going. But I think uh, when I'm doing a pre when I'm doing like one of my stories, that's like got a lot of nuance and specifics to it 
I, I actually put the emphasis on saying uh, my consonants very clearly. So my accent kind of goes away. But yeah. then, like, I don't know if somebody on the street calls out to me and I'm off script. Uh, or if I get angry at somebody, if somebody like a weird person approaches the group, like one of those assholes with like the snake and they want to put it over my guests and see if they can get money from my guest for a photo with a snake. Um, there are people that do that in New York. Then, then I get a little bit more, uh, aggressive and you'll more than likely hear the accent. I mean, you'll hear it throughout here, but like, I, I pretty much neutralized, um, my American speech, uh, for like most conversations. That's, uh. That's that's just that's just how I sound right now. I uh, I know like I, I like watched this old video of uh, myself at a baseball game with my family uh, last Christmas, and uh, I was like saying, "Dad, these pretzels are hard, hard, hard." Uh, whereas today, I would certainly tell you that these pretzels um they're very hard, you know, <laughs> and making me thirsty. Yeah, making me these pretzels are making me thirsty. Uh, you know, what's in there? They're not like the most different accents, um, in my personal opinion. Um, and there's certainly a lot of crossovers since uh, New Jersey is where uh, all the Italians and Jews that kind of uh, made that accent uh, in the '40s and the '30s, '40s, '50s, '60s, and '70s. They all kind of went to New Jersey and. Uh, you know, started having kids, and that's uh, that's the generation you're listening to right now, the kids and the grandkids of those groups I mentioned. I don't think they're so different, uh, but uh, New Yorkers and New Jerseyans, they both drop the R's, um, hard instead of hard. Um, in New Jersey, I think, is more... No, no, New Jersey and New York, it's coming and going instead of coming and going. Uh, coming and going, you know? Instead yeah. of, uh, um, hello, Arika, did you eat today? Is you eat? Did you eat? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's its own language. I love it. Yeah. Who would kick each other's asses? I, I would kick everybody else's ass. I, uh, I, who, who, who would win in a fight People from New York or people from New Jersey right now? I, I'd say as it, well, what part of New York, guys? Because, like, I don't know if I stand a chance if they're from the Bronx but if they're like from Williamsburg, I mean, throw them all at me. I could take them on. <laughs> <laughs> Bronx, Brooklyn, anything. <laughs> well, no, you got you got to pick one because here's the thing: like, if you get the people from Williamsburg and the people from the Bronx and people from Staten Island in the same room, they're they're gonna kill each other before the boat gets to New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I don't think those groups like each other very much. You you have you have. Uh, like Staten Island, it's uh, Jews who voted for Donald Trump, and Williamsburg, it's it's hipsters who hate Donald Trump, and in the Bronx, it's uh, people that uh, aren't going to take kindly to either of those groups. I don't know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know like what other way to put it. I, I'm sorry if that like breaks your rule about like politics. I I, I personally don't care either way, but that's what yeah. those people are. And uh, and I will I will label all of them and stereotype all of them and uh, put put them together in the same group. I think it's the right thing to do. I agree. I agree. How did you originally get into being becoming a tour guide? Is that something you've always had a passion for? Just travel and and history. Uh, you know, it, it actually goes back to my theater background, and uh, I've always loved telling stories. Like you know, in class, I was always raising my hand. 
um, to be the reader and also raising my hand, uh, especially when it was uh, a play that we were reading and uh, I could take on different characters. That was just so much fun for me. It was my favorite part of school. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I uh, majored in theater when I uh, finally got out to university. And then I went to uh, acting school in New York, a conservancy. That's separate of uh, my theater degree. For anyone who's out there looking to become an actor, um, don't get a degree in it. Just uh, go to a conservancy in New York. There's a bunch of good ones. You'll figure out which ones are good if you have half a brain. And uh, you'll spend way less money and you'll get better training. Um, the only reason to get a degree in it is if you want to teach. So, uh, the, you mm. know, the advice right there is, you know, don't be like me, but anyway, um, <laughs> except, except in all other qualities, uh, just, yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so then, you know, when you're an actor, it's like, okay, so you're an actor, you know, which restaurant. And when I came out to New York, I got a job, uh, working as a waiter and I also got a job working as a substitute teacher and, it was, you know, nice at first, but then after a while it was draining on me and it wasn't paying me enough money. That was like clear, like out of college, the money was great. After the conservancy, it's like, what am I doing with my lap? I can barely pay my rent. So one day at a friend's wedding, best wedding ever, he just held it in his backyard and made it a potluck. It was like the perfect wedding. It's what I'm nice. going to do. Unless if, unless if the woman wants otherwise, they all just, that's the one area where I'll just let the lady choose. But like, yeah. Um, but like if she, whatever she chooses, the idea I just gave is better. And so at this party, another friend that I went to uh, university with, and funny, I've just never spoken to her ever again. I should reach out and let her know, you know, you, you like to find the future of my life. <laughs> like, no, you, you really, you absolutely had an enormous effect on the future of my life. Um so she just said, like, John, why don't you try being a tour guide? And she's like, I just do Central Park bike tours all day long. And I had found a side gig doing deliveries for Uber and Postmates. So I had just been, like, learning how to, you know, like, riding my bike in the city. I knew how to ride my bike, but riding my bike in the city was, like, very much a new and scary thing at the time. But I was figuring it out. And by the way, those two jobs I just mentioned, Uber and Postmates, it is the job most likely to kill you in all of New York City. And I did both of them without dying. So <laughs> you're I, badass. I know, I know. I, I you know, it really does feel badass to know how to ride a bicycle in New York City. And I recommend <laughs> it to absolutely everyone, unless if you end up dying, at which case I never told you that. So yeah. Just stay away from Atlantic Avenue. Jesus Christ, just stay away from Atlantic Avenue. So that's really all you have to do, and then don't be a dumbass. Um, so I uh, one day, I'm having a miserable time at work. I, I have no idea what gear I need. It's raining. I have no rain gear. I'm soaked. My bike is getting ruined. My tires go flat. I'm at 53rd Street. I don't even have enough money for the Metro. It's like if I spend money on the Metro, that's like half of what I made today. So I have to carry my bike in this freaking rain all the way down to 34th street. So I have to get the 34th and 7th. I'm at 53rd and 6th in the freaking rain. It's the summertime wow. at least. Yeah. So you can imagine. And this guy drives by in a car and he's like, Hey buddy, th there's a bike shop around the corner. And like, I'm just like, I don't even know what that guy just said. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, and then he comes running back to me on foot. There's a bike shop around the corner. So he takes me around the corner as I find out this is his bike shop. And he's like, guys, just, just fix this guy's tire, please. Just fix his tire. And I'm looking around and I'm like, wait a second. This guy runs tours? This guy does bicycle tours? Oh, shit. Wow. 
So there you are. You already know how this ends. I'm just like, hey, I literally happen to be looking for work in this career. And he kind of gave me this face like, oh, crap. Now I feel like I owe you because I took you in. It's like it's like, man, oh, man, for this guy, it's like get, get give a mouse a cookie. Uh, <laughs> so like, now I want the glass of milk and I want to see my milk mustache. So let me into your house. Mister. <laughs> uh, but you know where this is going. The next day they trained me. And God bless this bike shop. God bless this uh, immigrant man from uh, Russia. I really respect him. You can tell when I call him an immigrant man. And he just <laughs> saved. He just. He just saved. He honestly. He just saved my life that summer of 2015 because I was like so confused about like what I was supposed to do um, with my career and everything and how to make money. And suddenly, like I'm doing these bike tours. I'm getting tips. Um, and then one day, I met another bike tour guide who asked me how much I made and I told him and he laughed at me and then he told me how much he made. And then I said, how do I get with your company? And I just dedicated the rest of the year to contacting this company until they gave me shifts the following year. And it was, uh, it was the most fun I've ever had at work in my life. It was the best money I've ever made in my life. And it was the most fulfilling job I'd ever had in my life. And so that was about seven years ago. Uh, that I switched to another company, uh, and yeah, I uh, that's like I, I just I just kept learning everything, 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 and I just slowly learned how to like present the information. It's like okay, hold on one second. I pointed at that building once, and half the people like when I talk about Forty Wall Street, they think that I'm talking about Seventy Pine Street, and if I get good enough where I can like point in back of me without even turning around and I know my fingers on 40 Wall Street and I describe it as the one with the green rooftop and the single light on top, they will know the difference between two buildings that might look quite similar to a tourist and I can see it in their eyes when they're all looking at the same spot and I don't even ask them. Everybody sees what I'm talking about unless if I really, really have an uncertainty. And I just slowly learned different things. Well, if you're going to give him that piece of information, you have to give him this piece of information first. Otherwise, that one doesn't make sense. And uh, sometimes, like, I'll work up how so freaking important this story is. Like, this is the story of how George Washington escaped from Brooklyn into Manhattan during the Revolutionary War when the British had him cornered. And then one day I'm just like, oh my God, this tour is going over by 30 minutes. The easiest thing in the world is just to skip the story about George Washington. And nobody notices. And suddenly the tour is like more on time. People appreciate that. And I realize, you know something? The reason they don't miss that story is because it's not connected to a visual. And then I start to learn, oh, you know what? The story is that don't have visuals. Like, you better make sure it's damn important if you're going to tell a story where all they have to look at is me. (laughs) They might might start looking into my soul, and I don't want them to see that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. But anyway, I've I've been rambling for a little while. I don't know if you guys want to interject or say something or do your jobs or whatever. What's up? I'm fascinated. <laughs> that, <that's, laughs> Tyler, I told you, that's the problem with John, man. Like, I, dude, you could be talking absolute nonsense and we would just be following you in the streets, which I want to ask, do you, ever, do you ever go off script and say, that's the Statue of Liberty. It was gifted to America from Russia when they won the Cold War. Like, do you ever go off script and just see if anyone catches you? Um, yeah, but like, I, I, I'm always pretty quick with uh, 
you know, j- just kidding, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> I try to, I don't want to, I don't want to make anybody think that I got something wrong. Yeah. Um, like the other day I was doing, okay. So the other day I was doing a live stream tour and uh, I was in the New York public library. And so I had a microphone real close to my mouth and you know, it's the library. So uh, every single thing that I'm saying to them, thankfully the microphone's right there so I can talk at this volume, but I have to keep it really quiet. And I'm just going through all the paintings in the reading room that will let me inside. And after a while, you notice it's, you know, John Jacob Astor, his son, his grandson, his great-grandson, his great-great-grandson. Like, you know, that's what you're going through. And then you get to the other side, and it's no longer the Astor family. Suddenly, it's a it's a portrait of George Washington. So as soon as I had him, I just said, this is a picture of uh, former President Bill Clinton. <laughs> I, I just I just figured that'd be that'd be the uh, funniest uh, wrong choice yeah. uh, to go with, and uh, you know it was a live stream tour, but the laughter emojis were very fulfilling. There you go. <laughs> um, you you were mentioning in the beginning about someone coming and trying to to uh, uh, how was it like like put a snake on like a, a tourist or something like that or start talking to a tourist. I remember when we were on your tour, some guy came and stood like in the way back and started recording you, and you stopped the tour. And you're like, dude, are you recording me? And he's like, no. And then he just, you know, walked away. But what kind of strange things have happened, I mean, during your tours? Uh, so, you know, we, we have like, you know, quite a few uh, mentally unwell that will uh, sometimes, uh, you know, like, you know, you have to deal with them. Um, and hopefully, you know, God bless them. Hopefully they can get better. Hopefully there's something uh so hopefully the city government is doing something right on their behalf, but uh, my guess is they aren't. So weird things that I've seen. So with the snake guy, there's there used to be like a snake guy, and he was just this well-dressed, you know, slick-talking guy. He's got a snake around his shoulders. And I take my guest to the first tower on the Brooklyn Bridge. It's an obvious stop. And I see him at the back of the group, and he's got a snake around him. And he's like staring at me. Like, is he? does he notice does yeah. he notice what I'm doing? For the record, that like this guy definitely didn't sound like this, but this is how I'm doing the impression. Like, <laughs> oh, does he like can he see me? Okay, it looks like he can't see me. So I'm just gonna take my six foot snake and I'm gonna put it around this woman. And I'm just gonna be like, Hey, do you want me to get a picture of you with my six foot snake? Well, Obviously, I do this for money. So how much do you want for the photo with my snake? Um, he didn't sound like that, but that's my choice of impression. And <laughs> like he wants to do this whole exchange with my guests who are at the back of my group. And it's kind of like, yeah, da, 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 you're taking your, these are my people who are with me. You're not getting in there and mooching off my people and trying to get their money uh like when like like you're not you're not doing that you're not taking advantage of like you know there's no stragglers in the back buddy i see what you're doing hmm. and uh i i think i think i just said to him, him you t- uh, like i i said to him like you touch one of my guests with your snake it's going over the bridge and he just like you know he just kind of backed off after that <laughs> he had that he had that he had that face he had that face um like again like like does he notice like maybe i can get away with this and i can just grab people from the back of his group when he's like telling the story because that's an animatronic not a person who sees what's in front of him um i'm telling you people think that like i can't i I literally see everything perfectly um people like think that they 
they're they're like slick and everything. Um, one time I got over the Brooklyn Bridge, and this was last year, just after the pandemic, uh, just after the lockdown. And there's this bathroom that I take people to, in uh, oh man, what's it called? Uh, well, it's one of the park. It's the park that's right over, right Central. over there. Shut up. No, it's not Central. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to guess every park is Central Park. No, Academy Plaza Park. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to say that. I was that was your that. next guess. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I, get, I get off. I'm in Academy Plaza Park. And so I'm walking to the bathroom and the doors just burst open. This time I'm going to do an accurate impression. And this guy comes out. He looks at me. And he goes, hey, man, what the fuck are you looking at? Italian monkey-ass motherfucker. Oh, gosh. And, and he starts, like, walking towards me. And I'll tell you, I've learned something about the people who, like, get randomly aggressive and violent in New York City, which, you know, I, you know, we, we do have some of that. It's, it's, you know, it's an ongoing issue. But, you know, you can, you can depend on certain locals to be able to deal with it. You know, I would just say, if you see that, don't give it attention. And uh, look to your tour guide, because your tour guide does know what to do. We are experienced with this. And I can feel it in my bones at this point. This guy, not doing anything. So I turn my back to him. I face the group. Start motioning with my hands. Come on, everybody. Let's quickly let's just uh, get inside of the bathroom. We'll uh, finish everything up, and uh, we'll see you outside. And I walk with my back to him. He, like, walks towards me with his fist out. Once he gets close enough and he sees that, like, I'm not even paying attention to him, I'm not acknowledging him, but I'm also walking backwards straight towards him, he just changes direction and wanders off. <laughs> so, I, you know, I looked at my group and I'd just uh, be, be like, you know, that guy, like, how did he know I was part monkey ass? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, that's humor. <laughs> humor is just, like, a great way to handle it, like, for the group, because they're, they've never seen anything like this. They don't have this and where they come from, you know, yeah. Kansas or Japan. And so they, you know, they're a little bit spooked, but, you know, seeing me handle it and then seeing that I, you know, finish it off with some humor, that's just, that's just the best way to do it. And, you know, that's just one of our mentally unwell, and uh, it is a part of being in the city. And uh, I don't know. I, I hope that somebody's uh, working on the solution because I am not. Yeah, yeah they're not. Um, I have to ask uh, because yeah, you you brought up an interesting point. Do you have like some kind of self defense like training? Like it, like if shit really fucking went down, like do mace. you have a mace like or or a baton or like do you have I don't know something if something did physically happen. Or were you? Did you have like like a like a self defense training for this? So, what protects me, man? And this is not me t telling you a joke. What protects me, man, is the power of Christ because I believe in that, and He is with me at all times. Um, as far as like what I do in the more literal sense, um, I'm trying to think if I have any examples where somebody put their hands on me. To, to answer your question, I did uh, I did train uh, in boxing for a couple of years, um, but now now most of my fitness, I, I gave up on boxing. I, I felt like I was good at it. I could take a lot of hits. I could punch really hard, but no matter what I did, I was just too damn slow, um, and I, the training wasn't getting me any faster, so I gave up on boxing. And uh, my training now, what I do for fitness is I do yoga. So should I get into a fight, I really got to fall back on that power of Christ thing because uh, yoga ain't going to win you a fight. But anyway. You literally fall time, on your back. 
Uh, yeah, but then I can get back up again real easy. True. Listen, one, one thing, one thing, uh, one thing that I'll, I'll tell you one story, and it actually goes back to what you guys are talking about. My voice. Um, one time, I was taking a crowd of people over the Brooklyn Bridge. This is about as physical as I can ever remember it getting. Um, I was taking people over the Brooklyn Bridge. Terrible, terrible rainstorm. Terrible rainstorm. But like, I still have a big crowd. And this is uh, before the lockdown, before 2020, when actually the Brooklyn Bridge walkway was two separate lanes, one lane for pedestrians, one lane for cyclists. And this is above the car lanes for anyone. So there's, you know, there's a Brooklyn bound and a Manhattan bound car lane, the three lanes each elevated above that is the walking bridge, which again, very small, half for pedestrians, half for cyclists. And I used to be nutso about safety directions. Like, guys, don't, like, stare at your phone as you walk into the cyclist lane. That's how you get wiped out. Yeah. So I'm taking people across in a, in a terrible thunderstorm, but I have a huge crowd. And I see this for, and I see this Taurus uh, who's not on my tour, and he's standing in the cyclist lane taking a picture of his young daughter. I'm going to guess, like, if memory serves correctly, she looked like she was 10 or something like that. Now, a lot of people did this. They would step into the cyclist lane because you could get the picture with no people in the background. That's why people wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. So he's standing there. And, like, at first I'm just like, I should tell that guy, you know, man, don't, don't do that because that's dangerous. Then I see a cyclist speeding downhill. So this is before we've made it to the first tower on the Brooklyn Bridge. We're still walking uphill, but the dude on the cyclist lane is going downhill in a thunderstorm. Oh, God. And I realize I have to warn this guy. Again, this guy is not a part of my tour. And, you know, you know what happens? I lost my voice. I just... Uh, uh, like it, it was just gone. It oh was my just God. gone. And this cyclist, he hits his brakes, but he collides with dad. Dad collides with the little girl. They all go down. Now, nobody is uh, too terribly injured because dad and daughter, they, they get up and the cyclist guy gets up to this like little, this little tourist guy, um, the cyclist guy. Oh my God. He must've been six foot five or something like that. And he is screaming in this little man's face. Jesus. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, uh, here comes the, the power of Christ. I just, it, my voice comes back all of a sudden. And what comes out of me is, whoa! That's, <laughs> that's what comes out of me after, like, you know, after everyone's been hit. That's what comes out of me. So, you know, Captain Too Tall, Mr. Six Foot Five, he turns around faces me and begins screaming in my face now i notice out of the corner of my eye that uh the dad and his daughter they just scurry away like oh the american like, this is a this is what every foreign person sounds like oh the american he will help us let us run you know and so and uh <laughs> this guy's screaming in my face right now he's screaming in my face that he will kill me and unlike what i told you earlier about the guy who was like, Italian monkey-ass motherfucker, how I could feel it in my bones. This guy's not going to do anything. This guy now, I can feel it in my bones. He wants to kill me. Oh, my God. He looks like he physically can. He looks like he can pick me up and throw me over the bridge into the traffic. And I am, for some reason, confident that's what he wants to do. And if I show one second of weakness, that's what he's going to do. So I locked eyes with him. 
and I said repeatedly, you're pathetic, you're pathetic, you're pathetic, you're pathetic. <laughs> and I just kept saying that to him in the loudest voice possible. Um, I can't win every street fight. I actually think I could win every shouting match possible um, with these pipes. I, I guess that's something to be proud of. It just it's, uh, it can also be very obnoxious. But in this case, it was warranted. And so I'm screaming, you're pathetic, you're pathetic, you're pathetic at the top of my lungs. And then eventually he turns around, gets on his bike and rides off. Now, remember, I'm running a tour right now. And, uh, <laughs> That's right. There's about, as I remember, about 17 people on the tour, and they are all staring at me with their jaws hitting the floor. And then I go, you know, it's just like, well, I have to say something clever because you have to diffuse the situation with humor. Otherwise, the guests are going to be uncomfortable for the rest of the tour. Uh, they're going to think that I am uncomfortable. And so I look at them and I just go, just another day in New York. Follow me, everybody. And then we keep <laughs> going. There you go. And I was, I was definitely like, if you were to uh, hold my hand... I would I would tell you to stop doing that, but if you were to have held my hand, I would you would feel you would feel it shaking back and forth. I was I was just I was petrified beyond belief. Um, that was one of the scariest encounters I ever had. And uh, I, but hey, I, I think I, I think it helps that you have a group with you too, right? I think that obviously just diffuses Absolutely. the situation even before it starts. I mean, you're walking and you have a band behind you of you know you have your gang here of thirty people, right? That's right. That's right. I actually think that most people, they don't really know what to do in that situation. I'm actually pretty confident that if a physical altercation did start, there are very few guests I've had that would jump in to uh, have my back. For one thing, there's actually a huge number of people whose initial thought every time is, oh, he set this up. This is like this is like a little thing that he's yeah. doing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. And they'll, they'll like, they'll like ha can carry that belief through me being stabbed uh, <laughs> yeah he's I mean, setting like, it up <laughs> yeah like oh, okay here, here it comes here it comes that now 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 they're like they're gonna start singing uh a broadway song yeah now they're gonna like a piece from the music man or something um now man, uh, like that you'd be surprised like when i have like encounters with people that are not scripted so even like so like did you like pay him to do that like no ma'am yeah, that was a homeless man masturbating in the street. That that really <laughs> happened. Like, that's, like I did not, I did not pay for that to happen. And they'll be like, oh, because I th I thought that was like part of the show. Um, no, I never get anyone to do anything uh, on my tour. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's the reason why. Like I can tell people aren't like as prepared as I am. They're they're not they're not taking uh, what's around them as seriously as I am. Especially since I you know, try to give them such like a humorous, pardon me, humorous air about everything. So there, I'll stop talking. I, what do you I, say I, when, what do you say when you encounter a masturbating homeless man? Do you even address it to the group? You show uh, them someone uh, on the other side of the street. Come with me, not uh, him. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, so I don't think I've ever had, I, I had a homeless masturbating man encounter uh, on my own uh, outside of a tour group. That's why that one came up to me. I don't think that I've ever, uh, that I've ever had that specific encounter with my guests, although I've had some inappropriate behavior. 
Um, if you see like a, a homeless man, if, if it was that, especially if I had kids on the tour, I would just like, you know, I kind of clap my hands. Like everybody look at me. We are going downtown that direction right now. And I just, I, I'll tell them at the next stop, you know, I'm sorry we didn't get to spend more time looking at that, but you know, here's <laughs> just a recap of what I would have told you and uh, let's just uh, move on. That's usually a moment where I remind them like, should like whenever that happens, do not look at them. Only look at me. If anybody has to do the talking, it will be me. And if I say it's time for us to get out of there, then it's time for us to get out of there. And that's all that we need to do. And that has uh, never failed me. I never tell them that on the tour until it happens. Um, just reaffirming we did the right thing and here's what we do in the future because I don't want to scare. It's like not necessarily yeah. going to happen. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to put that idea in their head, but if I saw an actual homeless masturbating man with uh, my tour, it would just be like, okay, I have to get them out of there because uh, whereas like, there's definitely like five or six uh, baby boomer dads who are like, Oh, this mm-hmm. is hilarious. Um, there's definitely, you know, you know, probably like a mom or a grandma or again, a, a child who, who can like be really, really uh, just traumatized uh, yeah. by the sight of something like that. Uh, whereas if you've been in New York, as long as I have like the, the trauma, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just another layer of your skin. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's just normal. Um, I, I went into the bathroom at New York Penn station a few months ago and I saw that every urinal was taken. Um, and in back of all of the people at the urinals was a single homeless man masturbating, uh, making eye contact with me, like nodding his head, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. my. And what was amazing is that, like, every urinal in front of him was taken. Like, people, like, made the decision, you know what, I really got to go. And uh, he doesn't look close enough to finishing. So I think uh, if I can just get in there and pee real quick, I won't get hit by the blast. But <laughs> right. uh, I was not taking that risk. So I, I walk I walk outside and I just, uh, you know, when I approach a policeman, I just, uh, I just, uh, you know, just uh, I switch genders and I just say, officer, there is a man inside there masturbating with his penis out and everything. The police officers heart like with the most blank stare ever say, thank you for letting us know, sir. We'll take care of that right now. And then they just walk right. And by the way, the police officer is right outside of the bathroom. So like I just watch him walk inside and then walk out. And then I go back in and I see one of the uh, bathroom stalls is shaking. So the punishment <laughs> for masturbating in public is, uh, excuse me, sir, there's a stall right over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's, uh, that's what I saw. Yeah, I, I have to ask you, um, and 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 again, I mean no offense to, to you or the city of New York by asking this question, and I and I don't want to get you in trouble for asking this. What would you say are the most over and underrated things that tourists are always flocking to or not flocking to? That's not even remotely offensive of a question, and I expect you to ask something far more offensive. I have something for you before we end, man, because you said something on our tour that I've been thinking about since since the tour. I I, I do save it. I want to answer this one. What's the most overrated? What's the most underrated thing in New York City? Yes. Um, Overrated, I'm like supposed to tell you Times Square, but like, hey, listen, like if if you've seen it in so many movies and uh, you want to see it for real, I would say like, you know, definitely get out there and see it. Just uh, understand that everything is touristy. 
Yeah. And uh, if you really want these experiences, like Madame Tussauds Wax Museum or uh, the other things that are in that area, um, I would try to get there earlier in the day. Um, just understand a lot of it's going to be navigating crowds. And if you're not from here, there's like 90% chance you'll get slightly lost in Times Square and not know which way is uptown or downtown. Um, but anyway, um, so what's the most overrated thing in New York? So I'll tell you what the most underrated thing is, is renting a bike and riding around Central Park, because that is just a wonderful thing to do. And that is the absolute best way to see all of Central Park. You should absolutely do that. Another underrated thing is Harlem. Get your ass up to Harlem. See some jazz music. Go to Bill's Place. It's where Billie Holiday was discovered, 134th Street. Get your tickets for Friday or Saturday night. Pick up some liquor at a nearby liquor store. And uh, it's BYOB. Listen to some jazz music where the jazz musician is right in your face. And then after that, uh, you know, go boo someone off stage at the Apollo Theater. (laughs) Yeah. You know, get some get some chicken and waffles. I would say Sylvia's is better than Red Rooster, but you know, uh, that's uh, that's just me. So that, there you go. Those are some seriously underrated experiences. Okay, most overrated thing: riding the Staten Island ferry to see the Statue of Liberty. Yes, dude. Listen, you get on there; it's completely free. You have to get on, and usually you wait for a whole crowd to get on. You go past the Statue of Liberty. Here's the thing. If you're not tall enough, if you're not quick enough, if you don't get to the side that has the Statue of Liberty. And by the way, as a tourist, you're not going to like know how to like quickly identify what's the west side of the boat. You're going to get discombobulated going up the stairs and everything, and everybody's going to get ahead of you. And then you're trying to look over somebody's shoulder to see this tiny little Statue of Liberty, and you're moving the whole time. Pay $5. Go to Governor's Island instead. You'll have a whole island to yourself. Nobody goes to Governor's Island. Um, and it's uh, you, you'll have a perfect view of the Statue of Liberty. Um, and uh, you'll have all the time in the world to get your picture, and nobody will be in your way. And if you remember the Liberty Mutual Insurance commercials. Yes, that's I was they, just uh, thinking that. <laughs> they all filmed them from Governor's Island. That's the angle. So just go to Governor's <laughs> Island and skip the Staten Island Ferry. <laughs> perfect. 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 Are there are there spots that you don't like to tell people about because you don't want them to become like mainstream or crowded? No, I tell all of my people about everything. That's uh, I'm not holding out on you. I also I've also like start like did this like after a point of learning that everybody appreciates my advice. Nobody actually takes it. Um, why, not, why would no, you say that though? So at the end of the tour, I give these tourists the greatest gift of a lifetime. I say, you guys have my phone number. Shoot me a text anytime you need help. And I can see it in their eyes. They're all like, oh, wow, that's so generous of him. I would say 95, 98% of the guests never take me up on that. And I can clear up serious misinformation real quick. I can I can save you tons of time with, like, basic questions. Um and uh, I know, like a lot of people, they also want to stick to what they planned, not uh, the uh, thing that I suggested. But, like, you know, at the end of the day, I tell you that this is a great, like, this is the best restaurant for Chinese food. Uh, okay, if I say this is the best place for pizza in New York City, I'd say probably about 20% of you are actually going to go there. Uh, and that's an easy one when your tour guide says, here's the best pizza in New York City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, what, what like is the answer I, to that question, by the way? Yes, yes. What is the answer to that question? 
The answer is Nolita Pizza at 68 Kenmare Street. It's the Regina Slice. The Regina Slice. All right, cool. Writing out. This is this is being recorded. You're welcome, all of you future generations who are hearing this and going to Nolita. Nolita Pizza, 68 Kenmare Street. Uh, it's the Nolita Slice. They're they're just wonderful people over there. Um, they really they really helped me out at a uh, difficult time in my life. You know, when the pandemic happened, I was America's most non-essential worker. Um, it was me, New York City tour guides, me, and nobody else in New York. Um, I was the most <laughs> non-essential. The title is mine. And uh, I, no, I, I just uh, I I couldn't make any money. I couldn't like I lost my power. I couldn't like send people to restaurants, which they always you know appreciated, and they would very often like, oh, my tour guide John sent me here. Oh, John, we love John. He's so great. He sends us people, and so. Uh, like he knew that like I always brought people to his restaurant, especially like on private tours. I'd bring like busloads of kids on public tours. I would if I take people there, like hey, this is part of the tour. We're getting a slice of pizza. That's you know a different story. They'll definitely take me up on that one if I just take them there, or if I end the tour near the spot. But they um, they gave me free pizza throughout the entire pandemic. Uh, the entire lockdown process. And this was not the owner. This was every single employee who worked there who knew my face and just knew, like, if John comes in, he gets, you know, he gets a free slice, which is something that, like, you know, he just gave to me in exchange for, you know, the friendship that we had and also all of the guests that I brought him. And he he did that for me during a very hard time in my life. Um, But I also, like, want to clarify, I called it the best pizza in New York City before he did that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's how, great how did story. you navigate? How did you navigate COVID? If you don't mind me asking a small tangent here, how how did you do it? Uh, what was the question that I, I do want to answer that one? That one's a longer one. What was the question that somebody was about to ask me before I was doing most overrated, most underrated? That's the grand finale. That it has to be the grand finale because I'm a, I'm afraid of what your answer is going to be, and I don't know how we're going to continue from that unless you uh, want to do it right now. Okay, so that that. The question, okay, so this is not the grand finale, COVID. All right, so then fine, let's let's go to COVID. Um, so I was like laughing my head off. I was like, oh my God, nothing is going to happen. These people are freaking out over nothing, just like they always do. It was just, you know, it was a time when like you saw like a lot of people uh, making a bigger deal out of things than it needed to be made. Um, like every, Like there was a freak out every single week. And, you know, this one, like, you know, like, oh, this is, uh, this disease is, uh, you know, very dangerous. Five people have died from it. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, no, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. And then one day the European travel ban was announced. And that's how I placed the start of the pandemic. Because I remember I was visiting a friend. And I was on the Upper West Side, and as I was walking downtown after leaving the friend's place, it was right when the European travel ban had been announced, and I just noticed there are tons of people in New York right now. This is March 15th, which is when the city comes alive oh, again, the shit. of March. Yeah. So this is just when the city starts to come alive again, and I start getting more shifts on my schedule. And so I, I noticed the streets are com- like completely full. But for the first time in New York City history, everyone is silent. Everyone is staring at the ground. And I can feel 
that all of these people, probably a hundred people, and it's not the most crowded spot, but it's by no means a quiet spot, the Upper West Side. You know, on the block that I'm on, on the block across the street, there's a hundred people in my vicinity, you know, at least a hundred people. And then, you know, the further blocks downtown even more, everyone is lockstep with their head at the ground, thinking the same thing, walking quietly. And that was like that time period where it's like, holy crap, he just banned all travel from Europe, the president. And like, we have no information about this. Like, can can I touch somebody and kill them? Can somebody touch me and kill me? Right. Was, uh, and like, we had no instructions. So everyone was just walking silently. And I just said, it, it actually reminded me, there's this video on YouTube. And I know the sound is artificial on that video, but it's uh, it's um, East Berlin, Germany, after World War II. And it's just somebody made a video, a film of like driving in his car, walking down the street with his camera, just filming all of the people. And you can see they're all silent. They're all defeated. They're all having the same thought. They're all just kind of walking. And it's it's very, very eerie, and it's crazy to think that, yes, this day in the life uh, is, is history. This is a significant moment in history. Like, this need, this should be preserved. And uh, what I have it that I developed afterwards was coming into the city with my GoPro and just filming the empty streets. A lot of people are like, oh, my God, I want to see that. It's like, I'm telling you, buddy, it's just empty streets. <laughs> um, but it's I, surreal. Uh, it it is it's surreal it's surreal and I think it'll I think it'll mean something uh, someday I'll, I'll you know go through that footage but like I'm just freaking lazy about it uh, it's 4K footage it's hard to deal with and uh, so so I realized I'm not getting any acting work my my tourism job it's like oh man I'm gonna lose like 15 days of work because of this 15 days to slow the spread thing. Gee, Willikers, and I bet you it's not going to be until the summer that guests even want to come back after this kind of scare. And <laughs> yeah, little did I know. Um, I from March of 2020 until June of 2021, I did not have a single work shift as a tour guide. Oh shit! Um, in the summer of 21, I probably had about eight tours. In the fall of 21, I probably had about 20 tours. This is 20 tours across September, October, November, whereas I used to have like eight tours per week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in December of 2021, Christmas season, we actually got a pretty good boost that year. And it was almost, it was about 50% of what a Christmas season can usually be. Uh, and Christmas is our busiest time of year. This past year has been, I would guess, uh, without like any data to back it up, my guess from what I saw is that we were about 60% what we were in 2019 in terms of guests taking our tours. So it was enough for me to like make a living once again, but I'm really counting on uh, New York City being back in action, like fully back this year and people can trust that they can come here and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to give you bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really hope that for you, man. Wow. I really, really hope that yeah. for you. You don't, you, you shouldn't be Thank struggling. You. You're, you're a great dude. Yeah. Um, I want to ask, uh, you, you said you did touch on being an actor and of course, you know, the question goes to, have you been on Broadway, off Broadway, off, off Broadway, you know, all these terms that I learned, uh, I, 
specifically on 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 your uh, tours, um, have you been in shows and plays and TV and movies? Where have we seen you? I've been in TV shows uh, that are not important. I've been on like Investigation Discovery, the History Channel, the Travel Channel, that sort of thing. Not the bigger networks. It's always been non-union work um, that I've gotten as far as TV is concerned. As far as movies, I've done a huge number of independent films. Um, you can uh, find clips of them on my YouTube page and the YouTube links always have like a link to the full movie. If you want to watch the independent films that I've done, uh, I did major in theater. I did a bunch of theater in New York. Uh, and the biggest, most successful thing for me, and you'll see this if you go to my, uh, my YouTube page has been commercials. Um, I've done a ton of commercials and industrials all across the board and uh, it's uh, the most professional looking reel that I have as an actor is my commercial and industrial reel uh, that, I, that I think is clear. And uh, that's where you're most likely to say like, oh, gee, I, I saw that one. I saw that. That's that's cool. He was in that thing. He's that guy. He's the person who has the face and talks. <laughs> and um, as far as so here's the deal. I got out of acting school and I struggled. I struggled, struggled, struggled. That's when I said I need the second job. And uh, when I found tourism, it was so nice for me. I kind of just stopped acting for a very long time. Like, honestly, 2016 through 2019, I did basically no acting. And I grew very distant from the industry. Wow. And then at the start of 2020, I just said, you know what? This is going to be my year. And I... I just, I'm going to get back into acting this year and I'm going to do less tourism, more acting. Well, t take a guess what happened that year. I already told you. <laughs> and 2021 is where I, the end of 2020, 2021, when auditions came back, but there was still so little tourism. That's when I really took off. I was just auditioning for everything and I got in quite a bit of stuff. I even managed to do a small play, a little, little short play at the end of last year. But I, uh, the biggest thing that happened last year was I got into an independent film and the director's wife was a talent manager and she signed me and she's put me out for a lot of auditions. And so since uh, the start of last oh, nice. year, I've gotten and these are like the auditions that matter. This is what elevates me. Six auditions for CBS, five for wow. NBC, three for Disney companies, um, two for Amazon. Uh, I had an audition for a feature film directed by, um, like, I, I guess I, I guess I can just say it. I, I, I auditioned for a film directed by Ben Stiller. Um, they never announced the cast list for that one, but I was really proud of the audition that I did. I don't know if that project is getting canceled or if it's going to happen. I, I, I don't. I actually think in that case, I, I really shouldn't say any more other than the fact that I auditioned for a movie yeah. uh, directed by him. But. Uh, um, and it was just, it's the getting the auditions is what the manager does getting books. That's on me. And so at the end of last year, um, I got an audition for a cop on a show on CBS. Whenever you audition for a cop, if you look like me, it's good to say, hi, my name's John Noto, five foot 10 located in New York, willing to shave. And that's called a, <laughs> oh, that's, called, that's called a slate. And every audition will start with one of those. And it's, it's a variety of things like, hi, John Noto, 510, I can ride horseback. Uh, like, like just that, that quick information that they need to know about you. Oftentimes, it's the name 
the height and where you're located, that's pretty standard. And then sometimes an additional piece of information. Then they, then you give them the audition. And so I, uh, I just said, you know, why am I always saying I've never booked off of willing to shave? I've never booked off of that. So since my career is going nowhere, why don't I just shave? And I shaved the beard off and I got my first call back ever. <laughs> call, back is, call back is when they want to see you again. So this year, I'm actually, I just scheduled new headshots right before uh, we did this interview. And uh, this year, I'm actually uh, just deciding, like, every time I get an audition for, like, a big role, I'm going to stop and consider, okay, does it, um, does it need a beard or should it not have a beard? And if it doesn't require a beard, I'm just going to shave and then let it start growing again. So I'm just going to shave, regrow, shave, regrow all throughout the year. I'm going to do both looks. And I'm going to get new headshots with like the headshot is what you need as an actor to get a audition. It's just a picture of your face taken by somebody who like knows what they're doing. Um, and so I want to, uh, yeah. So like, I, I want to uh, continue down that road because getting the call back just gives me the feeling that like I'm on the cusp of like elevating my career a little bit, even like one line on one of these network TV shows, just as an officer, ma'am, you're under arrest. That's a co-star role. That's a SAG voucher. That's a, that's a character who talks. That's a step up and they take you more seriously once you have one of those work begets work in this industry. So it's like, if I get one, it'll be easier. G getting my first one of those will be three times as hard as getting my next five. Yeah. Um, Oh, wow. So I feel like I'm on the cusp of that. So I do think that like pretty soon I'll actually have an answer to that. We're, we're, we're rooting for you, man. We're rooting yeah. for you. Thank you, Thank you, man. What about, what about like plays though? Is, do you prefer to do on screen or do you prefer to do on stage? I really want to do a play right now. I just, uh, I don't really love a lot of the content they put out in New York. Like a lot of times when I look at the script, I'm just like, this is, you know, this is like what I can find on like uh uh, some some woman's tumblr feed i uh it's not it's not like it doesn't interest me all that much um and i wouldn't want to put time into this because theater takes the most time and it takes and it gives you the least amount of money so let's make sure that this is fucking good if i'm going to dedicate this much time for this little money to it that's all i'm asking for i don't expect to be uh paid millions of dollars uh for for doing a play i'm dedicated i'll do it but like i'm not getting involved um, like I can get in a lot of like independent films or, or commercials where I'm like, the script is like not that good. Uh, but you know what? Like, it's like, this is my commitment and then it's done. And maybe some part of it is good. And I can show that. Uh, and that's what I get out of this. And I'm making connections with these people on set with theater. It's like, Hey man, if I'm putting this time in, like, let's have a good, let's start with a decent script. I'd love to do some Shakespeare this year. Um, that would, that, uh, that's always uh, meant a lot to me. I like to perform it in front of, uh, fellow artists and whatnot, but I'd love to get into a Shakespeare play. I'd love to do theater. It's just knowing that it takes the most time and it makes the least money. I want to do something good. And I don't love a lot of what I see right now. I, I have to ask yeah. only because, you know, money did come up and I'm just curious. And, and maybe, you know, the answer to this, I think, you know, the answer. Cause I, 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 I think we've brushed on it before. Um, those people that we see on Broadway, are they, are they living large? I mean, is it good money? The minimum that you can pay an actor on uh, Broadway, uh, if you're a union actor, um, uh, is uh, something to the effect of $1,300 a week. And that's 
the minimum that you can pay an actor on Broadway if they're doing an off-Broadway show, which is less, which is 100 to 499 seats, or any theater outside of Midtown with more than 500, that's an off-Broadway theater, you have to pay the actors a minimum of $600 a week. Um, so that's the minimum. Uh, that's the minimum that you can pay these actors. Now, if your name is um, Hugh Jackman and yeah. you're doing the music man, well, you can negotiate a little bit higher than that. Um, uh, let's see, Hugh Jackman. Uh, I'm just trying to like look it up right now. Uh, how much did Hugh Jackman make music man? And I think like for, so a hundred and uh, no, that's his total worth. Um, uh, no, only like four shows to top. So the show is one of the few shows to make $3.4 million a week. Jesus. Oh, that's how much the Broadway show is making. It's nothing compared to how much money, um, is, uh, you know, um, that's 26.6 million. I'm trying to, I thought, I thought it was, okay, I'm going to stop looking for it. I'm being an asshole, but a lot uh, of math here. Yeah, no, I think I think he made I think he made something close. I I, I think of two numbers, either three hundred thousand or one million dollars. For some reason, are the two numbers that are coming into my head for how much Hugh Jackman made, and that's just uh, that's just to show you um, like the spectrum. So like that's what a big Hollywood actor makes doing Broadway um, versus how, what the minimum is. So you can kind of like guess whenever you see a show based on the name of the talent and the budget of the show and the type of theater it's in, well, it's something in between those two figures. Um, I'd say if you're like making above the mint, like, here's the thing. It's a three hour. It's probably a three hour show. And let's say you're making that minimum $1,300 a week. Well, that's uh, $5,200 a month. That's uh, something less than $70,000 a year. That's actually not great living for New York City. No. Now, it's actually possible for the actor to work another job. But just to be clear, a Broadway show, the amount of energy that you expend is uh, bigger than like a 10-hour shift. Even in a three-hour show, you can expend the energy of a 10-hour of a shift. You have to be a very high energy. Yeah, it's – it's. I, I purposefully uh, – uh, directed for the show to kind of end up in this area because I want to ask you something. Um, I went to New York recently and Tyler, I didn't mention this on the episode where I, I did the recap of my New York experiences. Uh, John, I actually lost my wallet in Rockefeller center on Christmas night and someone returned it to a police station. Is that weird? Or is that like a normal thing? I've heard of that happening before. You're not the first person to tell me that. And uh, it's a, it's a high touristy area. Um, so there will be, uh, there will apparently be pickpockets there, although I've never met anyone who's been pickpocketed in New York. I'm sure it happens, but I almost feel like that's a stereotype we don't have as much anymore. I think they just, I, th I think, I think they just mug you now instead. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, oh, but I'm on the wall and I got to knock you unconscious, buddy. Sorry. It's like, no, yeah. I'm handing it to you. No, I got to knock you unconscious, buddy. It's New York. Yeah. Um, and, uh, no, so, uh. That's I, I've heard of it before. It's uh, it's quite interesting because a lot of people would just take it, but that's also where a lot of people who 
won't take it will be. It's where a lot of the people are outside of the character of New York City, whether it be our good character or our bad character. It's more than likely somebody from Japan or somebody from Kansas um, who found your wallet and turned it in. Yeah, I it's... once turned in somebody's wallet. I once turned in a dude's wallet. I found his wallet and I found his student ID and I kept on trying to contact his bank and his college and they wouldn't give me any information. So I looked him up and I somehow found his mother's phone number in the phone book. And then I called her and I said, I found your son's wallet. And then I met up with him the next day and uh, I got him his wallet and he, he tried to offer me $20 uh, and I refused because I wanted to be pretentious and uh, say that I did a good thing. Um, but, uh, no, I won't. So yeah, I was like, it happens, man. It happens, man. It's not, it's not the most unusual thing. All right. Um, I have to say also to that story, the, the reason why I fell in love with John is we did a food tour with him and he kind of gives you a breakdown when you go to a tour with John. He's like, we're going to do A, B, C, and D. There's going to be a bathroom between B and D. There's going to be, you know, whatever between E and F. He really breaks down the day. Um, there was a point where there was dumplings and he's like, these are the best dumplings in New York. These are probably the best dumplings you'll ever have in your life. Um. He said there's pork and there's vegetable dumplings. And he's like, they give a lot. So you want to be careful how many you get because it's it's too much for a person, too little for 10 people. He kind of broke it down. Uh, Tyler, you know I'm the pickiest eater in the world. Yep. Uh, everyone listening, you all know I'm Jewish. So I wasn't going to get the vegetable one, but Isla wanted it. And then there was the pork ones, but we're not getting them. So we get to that point and he's like, okay, so I need to take the orders for the dumplings. Instead of sending a tour of 30 people in there, John takes, you know, two for Tyler, two for Eric, two for the next lady, two for Isla, whatever. And he goes in. So it's one person not, not flooding the restaurant all at once. Um, no one wanted to split vegetable uh, dumplings with Isla. It was just her. And it was too much for one person. I felt like a piece of shit. I'm like, God damn it, dude. Like just suck it up and eat those fucked up dumplings. Like, you know. But poor girl, no, just, just help her. I, I know, I know. It was it was horrible. So she's like, you know what? We have a flight to catch tonight. There's so much other stuff to eat on a food tour. If you miss one stop on a food tour, no problem at all, because you're about to get bagels on the next stop or a pizza or a knish or whatever it is. Like you're if you miss one, you'll live. So um we get to the dumpling place. Uh we're all eating bagels, we're eating all this stuff. He goes, gets the dumplings. Everyone in the group, Tyler, everyone got pork. Everyone. Which million dollar question you would have gotten it too, right, Tyler? Oh God, yeah, yeah. You're the best Jew I know. <laughs> Absolutely, I love the pig. <laughs> I asked John. I'm like, I'm like, no Jew is in the group, huh? He's like, yeah, even the Jews eat it. Like, I learned all this kosher stuff, and I'm right, John. You're, like, am I lying, John? You told me you're like, yeah, I've I learned all this, you know, thing about kosher and all this. I've never used any of those words ever in any of my tours, right? Well, I I don't think no. I certainly use the word kosher. It's just. I, I, I learned it's one of those things where uh, first I'm saying it, like, just so you know, Yona Schimmel's is kosher <laughs> certificate and the Pickle Guys is kosher certificate. Um, but the, nothing like everything else, even the ones that say kosher, that they're not kosher certificate. They're not giving any money to a rabbi. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's what the whole thing is about. Um but then I realized, like, nobody's adjusting themselves, so it just kind of became the thing that I know and I say when people ask, 
which is very, very rare. Um, and I know that I have, I have so many Jews on that tour um, every single time that I give it because they always ask me, like, are you Jewish before the end of the tour? Um, and, and I think I knows why they ask me that, but the truth is, uh, I'm Italian. Uh, it's just a same company, different department as, uh, <laughs> says. And, uh, so, so they, uh, no, it's, it's a similar thing. So like, I, I just, I've learned over time, like, yeah, they're all, uh, like there, there's a ton of Jews on the tour, but like, okay. So like they all get pork. So, yeah. uh, they're so, just, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's what it's what Christians it's what Christians and Jews uh, mostly have in common in America, which is that we suck at being Christians and Jews. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the the tour happens, and and he went and got everyone the dumplings, and everyone's eating them, and you know, Isla and I are sitting in the bagel place. All of a sudden, John comes in, and he's like, "So I wanted vegetable dumplings," and I look at him, and he, you know, he looks at her, and I'm like. This guy didn't want fucking vegetable dumplings. He's like, so if it's cool with you, I would like to split my vegetable dumplings with you. So I thought that was the coolest fucking thing, Tyler. Like he, mm. he went and got them just so she would be able to try it. And that was so fucking cool. And I was like, man, this guy's the coolest guy ever. All of a sudden, Tyler, and this is where it gets good. He's like, do you want sauce? And she's like, what sauce? Dude, this guy pulls his jacket back. He has a holster of hot sauce. Oh my god! Oh, my hero! Get a holster of hot sauce. Yeah. So I was like, man, this day can't be any fucking cooler. John, what you don't know is, I I, for a while was making my own hot sauce with a a buddy of ours, and that was to mixed mixed reviews. But that was so fucking cool of you, man. Like, I really, really appreciate that. Oh no worries, man. I just, I just, you know, try my best to uh, make everybody happy one way or another, and I just, I, I, you know, I, I care like a little bit about the environment and everything, and I know like if I just keep on like handing people these little plastics packets of soy sauce and hot sauce, and you know, some people need more, some people need less, you know, it's just so much better because uh, I just, I just carry my own. And then I just pour it in there and it just like reduces the waste so much. And uh, yeah, so I, I just uh, I'm, I'm glad that like people like have really like found like to appreciate what I'm doing right there. I just uh, I, I see I see how much waste we can possibly go through. And I don't care about the paper, like the paper plates at times and everything, because that's, you know, kind of like biodegradable and stuff. But it's the plastic that we go through. And I just I see how like, you know, that gets stuck in the turtle's nose. And yeah. Then somebody pull it out in a violent video on youtube and uh i'm not trying to ruin the business of people that like you know pull things out of tortoises noses on youtube but i like that stop yeah <laughs> that but but going and getting the vegetable pot stickers and and offering to share it with her that meant a lot to us that was really cool of you dude i, I really really appreciate that oh no um, worries man i i remember doing that i actually forgot that that was also uh you that was that was uh the lady that you were with that i did yeah. that for yeah that was isla yeah Oh, okay. So I, I, I remember, uh, I remember doing that. And I remember you, I actually like forgot that those two were like one and the same. Yeah. You know, like I'll do that sometime. I'll see if like somebody wants to split an item. Um, I'll just like, and nobody's like doing it with them. It's like, well, maybe I could just make that the one that I get because if I want something different, I can just get it tomorrow. Cause I'm coming back. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. So we caught the flight the same day. So she actually got to taste it because of you. Uh, so thank oh, you again for that, dude. The final thing I want to say, I know I promised you an hour and we're an hour and 10. John, we were on the tour and you uh-huh. told us about Broadway and you told us about off-Broadway and then you had a sinister look on your face and you said, there's also off-off-Broadway. 
Ooh. That's right. Tyler, he's like, I can't tell you what I saw there. I could tell uh, you that I'll never bring a kid there, or I would never recommend uh, for yeah, you yeah. to go so, there. So this is, this is a, this is a <laughs> paraphrasing of like what I've seen. So there's a group in New York City, and uh, it's called the New York Neo Futurists. Now, listen, I've been doing theater and acting for a long time. And nothing's really going to shock me anymore. But for anyone listening at home, take what you think a New York liberal is and multiply it by like 69. Um, <laughs> and that's like what this group is. So they do, I, 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 they can be a lot of fun too. They do 60 plays in 30 minutes. And what happens is you choose the order. Like, so like you'll get a little pamphlet. Number 17 is why it's good. We're not all cats. Number 21 is Hamlet part 30, you know, like, like they'll have like a silly name like that, but you get nothing else. And so like, you're like, Oh, Hamlet part 30. Like what, like, what's that like going to be like, they're going to do that in two minutes. So when they yell curtain, you have to yell number 21, number 21. And number 21 is called Hamlet part 30. And if they hear you, they'll do number 21 next. They don't always get through all 30 plays. They don't always do that uh, because it's a 60-minute timer, and it is done in 60 minutes whether they have finished the show or not. Um, so, like, you, you really get, like, unique experiences out of this. Now, one day, and I'll say it on your show, and you'll understand why I didn't <laughs> say it up before. All right. They are typically R-rated. On one occasion, I saw them go X-rated, and the play was called Far Away Butthole. Before I explain to you what this show was, your first guess is the correct one. Now, the there there's the stage, and then there's these little screens that they have, and then there's just all these like sections that can be removed until like you're at the back of the building, which is like where the dressing room is. And I guess every wall, there's a series of walls between the stage and the dressing room, but they're slowly pulling back all of these walls until you're now all looking all the way back at a dressing room. And sure enough, there is one of the actors bent over with his ass spread over. <laughs> For all of the audience, they did this very slowly. And in my memory, in my memory, they were playing the 2001 A Space Odyssey music, but I don't know if that's accurate. Like, da, the bum, da, da, bum. Yeah, yeah. Da, da, like that. <laughs> I don't know if that's what actually they were playing, but that's what's in my memory. And it's just like, they're not like actually going to show. Like, that's a man's butt. That's like, and he's spreading and everything. Oh, my God. God, they just showed that to me, and I was uh, I was like just out of I was just out of college uh, at the time, so I was just like, oh, gee, you know, it's like I showed his butt, oh, you know, it's funny. Um, but like now today, I'm just like, oh God, I hope they don't do the faraway butthole thing today. Um, I, <laughs> I hope I still for the revival. Watch. That sounds great. Well, that's the thing. At the end of every show, they flip a dice. And let's say like it lands on a, they flip two die and let's say it lands on a one and a four. That's a total of five. And so they remove, that means they have to take five shows off. They have to write five Ooh. new shows and remove five. And by the way, they do a performance Friday night and a performance Saturday night. So let's say they could actually end up rolling six and six and then six and six. Well, maybe it's a, maybe it's one die. They could roll a six on Friday and a six on Saturday, 
which means they have to rewrite, they have to write 12 new scripts and have them ready to perform by the following weekend. It's a wonderful drill as an actor, an absolutely wonderful way to drill your talent as an artist in terms of improv, uh, stage production, theatricality, memorization. It is such an incredible drill. And if you ever got a chance as an actor to, uh, you know, work, work with, uh, you know, work with this group or to, uh, you know, I I imitate them in some sort of way, you would really, really, really grow as an artist in doing that. Um, and, like, you know, it doesn't have to be the type of content that they do, but just this, like, challenging yourself. It's so incredible as an artist. It's just, it's wonderful. I love that. That's so fucking cool. Thank you for sharing that story, man. Um, we have two final questions that we ask everyone that comes on. Uh, Tyler, do you have any questions before I ask them two? No, no, no. That was great. I'm going to ask oh, three, actually, John. I'm going to ask three. The first one is, John, would you come back onto our show? Yeah. All right, because you're you're fucking awesome, man. Like this was supposed Thank to be you. a different kind of episode, and we decided to make it an actual episode instead of an "I want to be a blank" episode, because it's so much more than just tour guide. I knew it was going to be something special with you. Yeah. Thank um, you, man. The first question is: If you were guaranteed the right answer to any question, what would you ask? If I were guaranteed the right answer to any question. What would I ask? You did you did pre-warn me that this question was coming, but uh, I had to return some boxes to Amazon, so I, I totally forgot to think about it. If I could be if I could know the answer to any question, what would I ask? Uh I guess I would say uh Well, I you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get all lame with my answer. I would say I, you know, I'm a guy like I, I'm doing my career and everything right now. I'd actually I'd actually just really love to start a family and uh still find a way to keep on doing all of this. So I would say uh, I guess the question would be, where is she? And to this entity that can answer my question, I, I'm just giving them the assumption that they're all powerful and they know like what I mean. They're not gonna be sarcastic and just be like like, like, oh, oh, the, the mayor's wife, she's at City Hall. You know what I meant when I said, where is she? Um, that's, I guess that's the question that I'd like to ask. I, I'd really like to, uh, I'm just kind of at a time in my life where I want to pursue meaningful relationships. And uh, I guess I'm throwing it out there. Ladies, I'm single. I'm single right now. And handsome. Th thank you. Thank you for adding that. And to any... To any any Jewish girls that are listening right now, I, I assume that's a chunk of your audience. You know, like I'm Italian, you're, you're not going to know the difference. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can take me. You can take me home. You can take me home to grandma. And like I, I, I I'm not going to have any stories about my bar mitzvah, but like she's not. I'm going to pass the smell test. She won't know the difference. I'm telling you, it's, it's there. It's he knows what out. a knish is. There we go. <laughs> Um, the final the final question we ask actually before we do the final question john uh where can people find you if people want to find you stalk you uh see see your butthole in a play one day where can people find you um my butthole like you don't have to pay for a ticket you just have to ask no um <laughs> well let's see uh so basically i i think the best way is to uh Reach out to me on the social media platforms, Instagram.com slash J-O-N dot N-O-T-O. That's 
John Noto. Um, that's my name. Uh, that's a, I, I answer messages on there. If you message me, you can get all the other information. It has my Liberty link. So you can like, just like find my website, all the movies that I've been in. Um, if you go to audible.com, you search for J O N N O T O John Noto. Um, and I got to repeat that a hundred times because nobody knows how to spell Noto and everybody thinks that John has an H. My J does and my John does not have an H. Um, and uh, I was born without an H. I'm superior to uh, H. John. <laughs> H and John. Um, don't trust those H and Johns, by the way. And uh, that's uh, that's like, uh, honestly, you just search for John Noto. You're going to you're going to find me and, and a Christian counselor in Chicago who has a somewhat similar face but it's not me um that it's it's i'm not from chicago it's not me um so yeah like instagram and youtube i really hope to put out a, it's my wish to put out my aim to put out a lot of content regarding tourism on instagram and on youtube in the coming year i really aim to build a big presence and i'm also hoping to make my way to the small screen this year so hopefully you'll be able to see more on my imdb page but again if you want to like get in touch and chat um, you, you'll find my contact on my website, johnnoto.com, but Instagram, you can just shoot me a message, anybody, whatever you want to do. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. And the final question, if, uh, you know, you get like, like a law and order or something. That's, that's a, you know, now that law and order's back on TV, that's uh that's, that's absolutely a possibility. It can totally, it can totally happen. I, I have. I've auditioned for one of the Law and Orders, and I don't know which one it was because there's a few of them. But uh, well, there's SVU, nice. and then there's the rest of them. Well, the one it was, yeah. Well, man, I was might have been one of the rest of them. I don't know, man. I don't know which one it was, man. These uh, a lot of these cop drama shows, they they all blend together for me. I don't I don't know what to tell you. Um, the, the character, the which one has Stabler on it? Detective oh, Stabler. Uh... Well, let's see. Yeah, here. so you got the same problem. They're all mixed up. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I've no idea. Wait, I think I actually remember looking into this and like Detective Stabler was like in my scene, but it was like a crossover episode. Oh, he's SVU. Um, he is SVU. But I think, but I think this was a crossover episode where he was in one of the other ones. Oh and yeah, he has I, his own show now. He has like a organized that, crime one or something. I, I literally just don't even know. So like. In the scene, like, so maybe somebody has seen this episode. I obviously did not get the part, but I'm auditioning, and uh, it's, you know, he, I, I, I have to escort him into the bathroom because he's, like, in trouble or something. I'm a cop, and he's just like, hey, you mind a little privacy or some crap? So I walk out, and then uh, some other guy's in there, and they get into a fight, and then I kind of walk back in, and I'm like, uh, the, the judge will see you now, Mr. Stabler. That's my line, and that's how I delivered it. The judge will see you now, Mr. Stabler. That's how I deliver all of my lines when like I'm main? acting. Yeah. Like, like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, oh, the judge will see you now. <laughs> this is definitely the time for fear. You you are getting a very long sentence. No, I, I don't know. Um, uh but that's that. That was the scene. Like it was just him and the. It's like it's. Uh, I'm in the bathroom with uh, Detective Stabler, 
Um, t- tell that to everybody with no context. Uh, so yeah, that that's what I auditioned for. Maybe somebody, maybe one of your viewers will comment that they saw that episode and they can finally answer this question of whether it was a uh, law and order SUV or STD or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, but that was, uh, Hey, Hey, NBC, no, no disrespect. You guys, you guys put out really good content and everything. I, I respect everything you do. We're just having a little fun right here. Um, but yeah, so that's—I don't even remember what question I was answering, man. I'm sorry. That—that's where people can find you—is—is is, uh, through Instagram and through your website and links. But the final question we ask before we'll wrap it all up: um, What is your song of the day? What has been playing on repeat for you recently, or stuck in your head, or just a song everyone should hear? <sighs> What's the song that's been playing on repeat for me as of recent? Um, if you need to stall, Tyler and I can go first and buy you some time if you want to do it like that. Oh, yeah. How about the two of you go first? I appreciate that. Yeah. Tyler, what do you have for us today? Let's go with Main Title uh, by John Carpenter for Escape from New York. Nice. 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 I'll do uh, I'll do Come Fly With Me by Frank Sinatra. And uh, John, you're up, man. We stalled for as long as we could. Oh, man, you did your best, and uh, your best wasn't good enough because <laughs> I'm still picking up. You know what? I The last one that I remember playing on repeat was uh zombified um zombified because uh, i just heard it on the radio and uh i just uh f- by falling in reverse and it's not really my thing but i just uh and they're kind of like repeating a message that like a lot of people are saying right now i don't like i, I don't think i don't think it's edgy to say that you're against cancel culture because i think that's like what 90 percent of people are saying and we don't really know who we're preaching to because we don't really know what cancel culture actually is and who are the actual people that are advanced. Like nobody even knows what it, I don't even know what it is, but I, I, I kind of liked it. Um, and I was just playing it again and again. Um, another thing. Okay. I got to I got to confess. There's one other thing that's been playing. Um, I don't know. You guys are, you guys are around the same age as me. I, I think I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. I don't know yeah, if you guys were there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll just we'll just keep it at that. Um, uh, I watched this show when I was a kid called The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh God! Uh, yeah. 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 Well. Well. Recently, you guys heard in the news, uh, the Green Ranger. He he died. Yes. Yeah. 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 Jason David Frank and I kind of like you know whenever like these guys pop up in the news, it puts me on a little nostalgia trip. And I've been uh, I've been listening to that old theme song. And oh. I made a shocking discovery, by the way. If anybody's I actually almost want to make my own video on this, but you know, when I put this out there, somebody might beat me to it. I just realized that the lyrics to Power Rangers and the lyrics to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are completely interchangeable. <laughs> Is that right? So, oh, so listen to this. Listen to this. I'm just going to make the transition. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> oh, Turtles, uh, ra- uh, Rangers into Action, Hero Power. Um, but then uh, <laughs> Go Go Power Rangers, it's like it's as simple as Go Go Ninja Turtles. <laughs> wow. Go Go Ninja Turtles, you Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It, it works. And, it works perfectly because teenage mutant ninja turtles mighty morphin power rangers. It actually it's like it's perfect. 
it's a it's a completely perfect transition and i have made this discovery and uh, now somebody with actual musical talent should uh go and do the remix i'm not going to do the work on that yeah fox <laughs> kids did the old uh, bait and switch that's right that's but, right power rangers was fox kids was teenage mutant ninja turtles fox kids that's a good question i i remember just watching fox as a kid period so it had to have been on there at some point yeah uh like there's part of me that's like trying to look it up right now but uh that power uh, rangers and batman the animated series those were the three ones on, yeah that was on uh the uh, is that Disney wb Theater. or wb kids or the singing turtle or whatever it was or frog <laughs> It could have been WB Kids, man. I'm usually good with all of the networks. I, I've worked that into uh, my tours. I know they're currently owned by Nickelodeon, which which is, well, in, in this case, that would be Paramount Pictures, and Paramount Pictures is CBS. Um, CBS Viacom is the parent company. So uh, that would have likely, since we know it wasn't on Nickelodeon uh, back then, it would have likely been on CBS or... Uh, yeah, it would, it would have been on CBS. I, I think that was one of the major networks, not one of the uh, uh, cable networks. Um, but it, it also sense. could have been uh, sold. Original network syndication. CBS. Yeah, there you go. Ah, okay. <laughs> We're here solving yeah. mysteries, people. Team TNA, uh, our friend, our guest. We would love to have you back, Mr. John Notto. Uh, we, we would love to have you back. Um Thank you so much. And definitely we're going to, you know, send people your way. We we really, really do want to have you back because there's so much more I have on my list to talk about. I just don't want to take up too much of your time on the first time. We went a little bit easy on you this time. But next time you come, get ready, man. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. I, I like I like the sound of that, man. Uh, just lay it on me. And uh, thank you so much for having me, you guys. Thank you for putting up for me with me and all of my weird shit or whatever. Just like <laughs> no, this was that great. Was, thank you so we, much. We, yeah, we love it. Yeah. On episode 121, which was this one, right, Tyler? The, yes, this is 121. Okay, on episode 122, we're going to try to get Ethel Merman on with us. We're going to see. Oh. I haven't heard back from her yet, but I did send an email. We'll see about that. Maybe John can pull some strings. Um, so. Yeah. She didn't we'll see you back now. here next week. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Hey, no worries, 